This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to Connect with Community Waikato on Free FM 89.0. I'm Holly Snape from Community Waikato and have with me on the phone today Ros Weiss from Community Networks Aotearoa. Thank you for joining me, Ros. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Holly. Shame we can't have you in the studio, but Wellington is a little far away. <laughs> Too much work to do, too much work to do. You look, certainly, and um, I have the, the privilege of being on the board of Community Networks Aotearoa and see the incredible work that this very, very small team do right across the country. And we're going to talk about a couple of those things today that will have relevance to people, certainly um, in the sector, but also some people perhaps not working in our sector. Mm. Um, so we're going to talk today about um, banking, which might sound a little bit unusual, but that will all become clear. And we're going to have a conversation about the tick for governance. We've touched on it before, but there's some, some updates. So that's us. Yeah. <coughs> Let's start, though, with the banking, Roz, because yep. um, banking's been a bit of an issue for the not-for-profit sector for a little while now. Um, what started the issues that the sector is seeing? Hmm, okay. Well, um, I guess the best way to explain it that people will understand is simply to ask the question of have you tried to change signatories after an AGM lately? Mm. Mm. Or have you tried to remove someone off your account who no longer works at your organisation or is no longer part of your board? And what people have been getting across the country is a general groan at not only how hard it is to do with the banks, um, do this stuff with the banks, but how long it takes. Yeah. So, as um, our listeners may not know, but a group of our membership organisations, which includes Social Link, Tauranga, Community Waikato, Community Waitakari, and the Taupo Council of Social Services, and NCAD, which is um, uh, Auckland North Shore, yes, um, have all been um, all get together and meet every so often. <clears throat> and we're at, a, excuse the voice, it seems to be dying on me. <laughs> but we, um, we all were meeting and discussing and the issue came up about how hard it is to work with the banks at the moment. And the uh, membership organisations are at the table asked um, Community Networks Aotearoa if we'd take the lead to look into it. Mm. And when we started looking into it, we found out the culprit of why the banks are so difficult at the moment to get anything done, mm. especially to do with the community and voluntary sector. And it all has to do with the anti-money laundering and counter-financing of terrorism legislation. So how does that impact? Like, how are the not-for-profit sector involved with money laundering and terrorism? <laughs> As well, there's a question, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> this is international legislation, yes. which was brought to our country after 9-11. And um, New Zealand signed up to it and then put the legislation in as it was, holus bolus. 
And the legislation requires banks to be particularly stringent with not-for-profits because not-for-profits overseas especially are seen with some suspicion. Yes. So I suppose if you were a not-for-profit in the middle of um, Afghanistan, you well could be uh, an organization that is able to launder money for terrorism. Or in Pakistan, you might that might be, in fact, your role. But in New Zealand, we're so closely monitored, and it's I have never heard of any organization that is a not-for-profit ever being um, a, a money-laundering organization. It might have happened, and it might be all you know, quiet on the Western Front about that, but mm. I've never heard of it. So the legislation, which is really stringent, has been brought in to control how banks behave with us under the misapprehension that we are, or the misbelief, that we are high risk, us being the not-for-profit sector, a high risk to be um, used as money launderers and terrorist finances. And as everyone who works in the sector knows, it's just a load of old baloney, but... Yeah. That's why the banks are behaving like this. So <clears throat> we we've done a lot of stuff. Do you want me to tell you some of the stuff? Yes, we've done? please, absolutely. Well, we started off by talking to the Ministry of Justice, and the Ministry mm. of Justice is the ministry that actually runs this legislation that it belongs to, and they've just done a review of the act. Mm. But we didn't know about that because it didn't come across our radar. Isn't that interesting? So the Ministry of Justice doesn't reach out to what we might consider key stakeholders to to but let them know about, yeah, what... Not, not, not personally, no. They just mm. sort of thought we'd picked it up if we noticed it, sort of. Yeah. And there's so many other bits of legislation we're looking at at the moment. Um, you know, it would have been something we probably wouldn't have even recognised as being important because at that time this issue hadn't come to the fore with us. But we rang them up and we said, we know it's too late to do uh, a submission on your review. Can we talk to you? And they went, absolutely, yes. So the senior policy guy in charge of the review and one of his colleagues had a long meet with us where we talk to them about some of the issues that are coming up for mm. NGOs. Now, how did we know what those issues were? We knew what those issues were because we're running a um, survey on our website. When we, This was brought to our attention and we were asked to be the lead organisation. We went away and set up a survey and asked people, especially in our membership, to fill in the survey to give us examples of anything that's happened to them when they've been trying to deal with mainly the, you know, the major New Zealand banks. Mm. And we were kind of overwhelmed because stories started flooding in. It's not just the problems with changing, um, changing signatories. The, the problems with the banks are right down to how to open a new account and um, how to do online banking and um, a whole bunch, how to remove someone off your signatories who's who, in some cases, they haven't been able to remove someone who's actually died. The bank won't accept their information. We've found that there's some organisations that, in fact, 
um, are unable to use their bank accounts at all. The bank has stopped them using their bank accounts and is not and are not prepared to renew the signatures in the way that the NGO could organise. And we're finding some organisations actually can't access their bank accounts at all. And when that happens, even because the bank's taking their time and, and some of them are taking a lot of time, when that happens and you can't pay your staff or you can't pay your rent and you can't get your projects underway, what happens to that NGO? Suddenly we're recognising this is actually very serious. That is significant. And what is the recourse for an organisation that's lost access to its accounts? Well, there is actually recourse. The first thing you need to do is you need to write an official letter and um, just going and complaining or sending an email going, uh, this is a problem, is not enough. You need to send an email saying, this is an official complaint. Mm -hmm. And you send it to the bank and you tell them what the complaint is and you ask them to get in touch with you urgently to sort the issue out. Yep, now, yep. if the bank does not help you out and does not get back to you, the next step you must take is you take that complaint immediately to the banking ombudsman. Mm. So we've had a meeting with her, and she's lovely, and she said, whatever you do, tell everybody that we can only act if something's gone seriously wrong if you've done these two things. One, sent an official complaint to the bank, and two, if your problem hasn't been sorted, you send an official complaint to us. So that's one of the things we're putting in our latest newsletter, is we're saying to people, this is what you do immediately. But behind that, uh, Community Networks Aotearoa is doing a ton of other stuff. Yeah, so uh, apart from the survey, we've now been funded through the J.R. McKenzie Trust and the Todd Foundation, and they joined together to fund us to employ a researcher. So we've got this incredible researcher who is going to look not only at the information from the survey, she's going to do interviews not only with the banks, but also with our largest big multi-million dollar NGOs, mm. because if it's affecting them as well... We're talking this is affecting a lot of people and a lot of money. Well, the, the so not she's for going pro- to be doing um, also investigation on how this legislation has worked overseas and what's mm. happened there. But as well as that, we're going around and talking to members of parliament. We've been to Melissa Lee from National. We've been to um, Jane... Oh, God, name's going out of my head. We've been to <laughs> two, Elizabeth Kerry Kerry and another MP from the Green Party. We've been to um, Labour MPs. Mm. And uh, as well as that, we've been joined by a whole bunch of other organisations who are supporting us in the work. So that includes Funding Information Service New Zealand, Citizens Advice Bureau National, Mm. um, Comvoices, which is a national group of CEOs from the sector working here in Wellington, um, also, let's not forget that on our board we have the CEO of Neighbourhood Support New Zealand and Community Housing Aotearoa, not to mention yourself. Mm. So um, the number of people is starting to come in and we have a lot of interest from Age Concern who are also having issues with the Age Concerns throughout the country trying to deal with their banking issues as well. 
So uh, we're at the moment waiting to have a meeting with the Ministry of um, Commerce and also with the Reserve Bank. And we've been talking to the Bankers Association as well. And they say that the problem with this legislation is, and I hope I'm not getting too complicated here. Yeah. Stop me if you need to ask me something. The problem with this legislation is that decisions on how the banks interpret it come from their boards. So every bank has a different interpretation of the Act. So one bank may be worse than another bank in how they treat NGOs. And he said it's all got to do with how much the boards feel they're under risk if they don't interpret this um, in a strong way, this legislation. And we said, can't you all just get together and make a decision Mm. on how you're all going to interpret this legislation so people don't have to shop around? And he said, no, they can't because it's considered anti-competitive. Wow. Well, I disagree with that. Yes. (laughs) They're not talking about how they fix interest rates and things like that. They're simply talking about how they um, uh, understand a piece of legislation. And, and apply that legislation. Yeah. 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 So, so that's why we're going to see the Ministry of Commerce, because they're the people that look at anti-competitive behaviour. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to ask them if they consider them getting together to discuss uh, uh, one single review of how they work this legislation as being anti-competitive. And we're also going to ask the Ministry of Commerce, well, what if they decided how they work the legislation and then send it through to the banks and say, this is what you do? So who knows? Who knows how that will go? We're not there yet. We're also waiting to see David Clark and um, we're waiting to see the Minister of Finance, Grant Robertson. So we're out there talking, talking, talking to people. That's probably why my voice is funny today. (laughs) And it's funny, Roz, because, you know, what seemed like a relatively straightforward problem, you know, is actually hugely complicated with lots of different... It's about legislation, it's about um, private business, corporates, um, it's about interpretation. Um, There's lots of different sort of strings that seem to be attached to this, and you're you're chasing them all. And we're not lawyers, you know. No. (laughs) Nor are we legislation experts, but um, where we've got to with this is that it's got really big. Yes. Um, we're hearing stories through our um, survey, for example, and people that we're talking to, that some NGOs are taking, the banks are taking so long to provide them with access to their accounts again that they're going to loan sharks to try and find money to see them over till they can get to their money. Now, mm. that's serious stuff. Mm. And um, it's well, we only heard mess- about it from one region, but if it's happening in one region, it may be happening in others. And this yep. is just one little thing. What's really interesting to us is that right when we're in the middle of talking about this, all of a sudden publicity right across the country is about the amount of money that banks are Yes, making. I've noticed that. And, and it's billions of dollars in profit. It's, well, it's, it's been critiqued as unreasonable amounts. Yes. And so government should be interested in talking to us because if they sort this out for us, it's something that they can say at least they've done. Yeah, absolutely. The, the trouble with international uh, legislation is that when New Zealand signs up to it, it then affects their import and export situation. So the opportunity to change the actual act is very low. So I'll just be clear about that. Yes. But we see gaps in the act where they could make 
changes and we know that the Ministry of Justice has sent through recommendations that um, provide opportunities for our sector to the Minister of Justice. So we're, the Minister of Justice is Kiri Allen and we've tried to see her twice and have been declined both times. So we've been quite clear what we wanted to talk to her about. So that will be something of interest to why are we being declined and it'll be interesting to see if some of the, uh, see if Grant Robertson and David Clark decline us as well. Mm. Um, Maybe they won't, considering what's going on at the moment in the media. Who yeah, knows? Maybe it's picked enough of the interest, eh? Yeah. yeah. But what our, our prime thing is, how do we stop the situation of the problems that so many people are having? Another organisation that's um, come in to join behind us is called Aussie New Zealand, and that's the Association of... Um, Hold on. Association of the Australasian Society of Association Executives. Yes. And those associations are staff associations of for-profit agencies. So you get the Association of Engineers, the yes. Association of Psychologists, Association of Airline Pilots. So they're staff in for-profit agencies. And when we had a talk to Aussie people at a meeting they had and said, how many are you having problems with this? There was a groan across the room. Mm, mm. And they all are having problems with this in their staff associations. But not only that, many of them say, well, actually, I'm on a board of my son's soccer club. Mm. Or, you know, I'm, I'm working in this not-for-profit on a board. A lot of them are involved with the not-for-profit sector through their personal lives. And they've been facing these issues that way as well. So Aussie New Zealand, which is a very important organisation because of its link through to corporate has joined us to support us in this work. Yeah, oh, well, that's fantastic. So there's um, cross-sector support as well, which yes. is which is brilliant. But also, it's good to see people contributing from across the country. This isn't a, a it's not a regional issue. This is something collectively that people are yes. experiencing. Yeah. So, yeah. so my 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 ask from this conversation is. If you've ever, to your listeners, if you've ever had problem with a bank, could you please go on to our website, that's communitynetworksaotearoa.org.nz. Can you go onto our website and go to our banking issues tab and fill in our survey? Yeah, that's a great please. idea. Great it's idea. It's urgent for us to have as much anecdotal information as we possibly can. And for those of you listening who are, get our weekly bulletin, you'll also find the link in our weekly bulletin that'll come out on Tuesday. So keep your eyes open for it, and that will take you straight through to that um, to that tab at Community Networks Aotearoa, because it is important to grab as many of these voices as possible, eh? Yep. When we're going to politicians and when we're going to ministries and we're going, this is a problem that needs to be sorted, we need to be able to back that up. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, we don't have... We don't have. We're not halfway through. We're three quarters of the way through our right, show. Right, so we're going to talk about. <laughs> we're so going to talk about our governance training very quickly. We we should, and you know, just to preface this, uh, you know, I had the I was fortunate enough to be involved with you um, as we were creating yes, um, this. Were. But even even more exciting, I've recently completed the full course myself. And what did you think? Look, you know what? I just thought it was marvellous. Uh, you know, I've been in governance for many, many years. Uh, 
but I think there's stuff that you learn, there's stuff that gets reinforced, there's stuff that is sometimes just framed slightly differently from, you know, the way you kind of know it yourself. And all of this just helps grow, I think, your competence in the, the governance space. So I thought it was marvellous. I thought it was lighthearted and fun, very yeah. achievable. Um, the assessments were really, you know, very fair. Um, mm. So no, I just thought it was brilliant. Can you explain what the assessments do? So they they just really take you through um, often some scenarios, but just some some basic um, facts, just to and they're multi choice um, based on the information that you've just read yeah. or, or participated and, in. And, and if you pass the assessment, if unless you pass the assessment, you can't move on to the next module. Yeah. But when you've passed all the assessments, you automatically get a qualification. And that micro-credential was emailed through immediately. As soon as I finished, I was, oh, I've got mail. Open it up, and there it is. So, you know, um, absolutely fantastic. They get all your details are gathered, of course, when you enrol in the program. Mm. Um, and so it's all there for you once you, once you complete. It's just generated and, and sent to you. So, I mean, I just thought that was marvellous, Roz. What, oh, that's so cool to get that feedback. Because we don't get a lot of feedback. We just get people going... Yep, we did it. Yeah. Most people have enjoyed it. It's an enjoyable course to do. It is, and it, you can do it at your own pace, of course. It's online, so you're not required yes. at certain times or you're not, you're not having to answer things in front of lots of other people if, if that's yeah. something that would make you nervous, you know. Yeah. So that's great, but what's the uptake been like, Roz? Pretty good. We've got over 200 people doing the course at the moment. Wow, fantastic. And um, I will say that one of the things that we're offering is the opportunity for whole boards to do the course. Yes. So if an entire board, everyone on that board does the course and passes it, they become a tick for governance board and we'll send you a gorgeous um, stamp to put on your email. Is it called a stamp? What's it called? Um. A sticker, a badge, a badge badge Mm. that you can put on your website and you can put the badge on your information that you send out to people so your funders and the people that talk to you know that everyone in that board has now reached a certain level of um, governance, competence and governance. And um, the other thing that are, so after your whole board's done it, you need to send us a letter asking to be uh, a tick for governance board We'll double check against the people that you say are on your board and there's a couple of other things we need you to do and once that's all sorted, we'll send you the badge and make a big fuss about you. But the other thing that um, it's important for you to know about is um, that a lot of people will say there's 10 people on their board, the course is $100 a course, so that's going to cost us $1,000 that we don't have in our budget. Mm. If you can't afford to do the course, we've got a fund that you can apply to that will pay for um, anyone who can't afford to do the course. Oh, that's brilliant. So So you get hold of us and you ask us how to do that and we will go from there. But we have money sitting in the bank ready to help people do the course if they can't afford it. I think that that really is marvellous because, you know, we want to reduce as many barriers as possible to people undertaking that and I appreciate what you said Roz when you pointed out that this is something that you can show funders because you know a lot of funders they want to provide support but they can be a little not necessarily know about the competence or confidence of the people sitting around the table you know driving an organization that board so this is a great way to to flag that eh? 
our it's a fantastic way to flag it. And a lot of funders know about the course now. Yeah. And government knows about the course. I mean, we've had um, support from charity services about mm. the course. And um, MSD has supported us hugely to, to do the course. In fact, it's MSD who provided us with our fund to help people who can't afford to do it. So they're really trying to encourage people to step up and get they involved. They really want people to do this course. So yeah. if you're looking for funding from government, this is absolutely something you need your whole board to do because it gives the funders an extra level of comfort when they fund you. That, that is absolutely brilliant. So can you tell me a little bit about um, the types of organisations that might enrol to do this course what are oh, you looking well, for who's it targeted at <laughs> well we targeted to start with uh to um ngos really not-for-profits um and <clears throat> but we've found all kinds of interesting people coming in to do the course we've had bankers i mean you don't know if they're signing up as you know the manager of a bank if they actually also sit on a non-profit board somewhere mm. so but we've had um we also provide bulk buys, so people can um, purchase large numbers of the course and then share it around. So we've had some national organisations, that I can't tell you who they are, who've set, who've been, who are making inquiries at the moment about purchasing up to 300 courses. Wow. Um, so they can then, they pay for it, and then they send the course out to all the different individuals that have expressed interest in doing it. So um, that one organisation that's asking about 300 courses, and they haven't haven't fronted yet about it, but they're asking, um, they aren't even a not-for-profit. Wow, that's fascinating. They're a for-profit agency that want to share this information with um, uh, other people in their organisation. So... Also, uh, local iwi, when we did this course, um, we had um, a couple of people who advised us, a couple of Māori advisors, really amazing people. And um, if you watch the first module, you'll see one of them, which is the fabulous Kura Moriho, who um, we interviewed for the first module mm. about um, working with Māori and Titoriti. Um and we said to him, we know that Māori governance is different from Pākehā governance, and there's a big focus, for instance, on decisions being made by Kuia and Kamatua. Um, and um, he said, yes, but a lot of younger Māori uh, need to know this information because irrespective of who makes the decisions, they still need to operate their iwi organisations if they're involved in that in a way that is legal and where they know the things they need to do to ensure that their organisation mm. is um, is kosher, really, and that their organisation is being run properly. So really, so, it's it's a, it's available for for anybody, and we'd encourage anyone, anyone to step up and do it, including um, you know um, Maori organisations and iwi organisations. Brilliant. We've reached the we've reached the end of our show. So um, oh, okay. Th- thank you very much. I know the time has flown, um, <laughs> but just to say to people, if you want to find out more about it, jump on Community Networks Aotearoa. There's a tab there. You can go through, enrol, and, and just get into it. Well worth doing. And can I add that if you have any further questions about anything that we've talked about, 
feel free to call Holly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because you probably know Holly working out of Community Waikato and um, she knows everything that we do because she's on our board. <laughs> Thank you very much, Roz. Okay. That, that's us for another week. You've been listening to Connect with Community Waikato, Free FM 89.0. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.